Hello, and thanks for listening and joining us on the Be Yourself Happy, Healthy, Hopeful podcast. I'm your host, Steph, a health promoter from the Bulimia Anorexia Nervosa Association in Windsor. On this podcast, we explore topics related to health, mental wellness, and creating a happy, healthy, and hopeful life full of opportunities for yourself. Today, we have a wonderful guest joining us, and I am super excited to get into a conversation with her. On today's episode, I am talking to local Windsor Essex yoga teacher, reflexologist, and Reiki practitioner, Carly Deslip. Carly's goal is to help others through yoga and other wellness services in finding peace, stillness, and resiliency within themselves. I've been to many of Carly's yoga classes, and I always find her teaching challenging, rewarding, and very peaceful. She's a ray of sunshine. Carly has been involved with BANA clients in the past when she ran a yoga program specifically for eating disorder clients in recovery. Today, we will talk about the training that she completed prior in order to give her insight into how to teach individuals in diverse bodies. Carly teaches yoga at Chili Yoga and currently in different parks in our community. She gives reflexology and Reiki treatments at Chill and at Gem Aesthetics in Tecumseh. Here we go. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Carly Deslip. All right. I am so happy to introduce my lovely guest for today. Her name is Carly Deslip. And if you are from Windsor-Essex, you may know of her. She's very active in the yoga community. Um, and I we are doing this social distance style. So I unfortunately can't see her smiling face today. But she has a beautiful smiling face that's always radiating lots of love. So we love that at BANA. Um, so Carly, welcome to the BANA podcast. Thanks for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, so as I mentioned, I have introed you, but I always like to ask the guest um, from coming from their own perspective, who they are and how you would describe yourself. Hmm. Um, so my name is Carly. I was born and raised in Windsor, um, but I lived a few years in Waterloo and a year in Peterborough while I was in school. Um, about myself, I'm a yoga teacher, reflexologist, Reiki practitioner, and basically my goal is just to help people um, find happiness and peace from within themselves in any way that I can. Mm-hmm. And um, you are, I feel like if you ever do come in contact with Carly, that is well known from like your demeanor and um, the intention that you have in your words and your yoga class, I always get that really sense of peace and calming feeling when I am around you. So I feel like you're achieving that just being you. <laughs> I try to like secretly brainwash people into loving themselves in my yoga classes. So yeah. that makes me happy that you're picking up on that. Totally. Yeah, I know. It definitely works. <laughs> and I've been to many of Carly's classes at Chill Yoga um mainly her power flow classes and definitely they are challenging but so well worth it um so can you tell me a little bit more about where you're practicing right now Carly because this is um a different type of era so I don't know I don't think chills open right 
Yeah, not yet. Um, whenever we can go to stage three, the, the studio will open again. Um, I also teach at Good Life, but again, when stage three happens, that's when they will reopen. So for now, I was teaching quite a bit on Zoom, um, but since the weather got good, I've kind of scaled back with virtual and I'm doing park yoga to make mm-hmm. sure everyone is still like socially distancing and and bringing their own mats and everything. But I've been teaching outside and it's been so lovely. I'm actually really, really loving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially like with the sun around and shining on our faces when we're doing like a, a shavasana, that feels good. <laughs> Yeah, it's so nice. Yeah, so, I mean, Banna does have a history with you. It was prior to my time, and then I kind of came in when one of the programs you ran with Banna was ending. Um, mm-hmm. So that specific program, it was, it had involved past clients of ours that were in recovery from eating disorders, and Carly ran um, yoga with them, and as a part of doing that, she was also trained to become a teacher that took into consideration mental health and different body sizes. So I just wanted to get um, your take on how that training w- was unique and how it has shaped your uh, teaching. Yeah, for sure. So prior to um, doing that program with Banna, I took Diane Bondi's Yoga for All training, which I think most people who... Um, are involved with Banna have probably heard of Diane by now. She's very famous in the yoga community, not just locally, but globally. Um, She basically started the movement to make yoga more inclusive for people with bigger bodies or people with disabilities and even people of color. Mm -hmm. Um, So I took her training and it just gave me more tools um, to be able to offer to people to make the class more accessible to them and to understand maybe some language that some people use in fitness classes and even yoga classes isn't um, isn't always helping the mm-hmm. student. Um, even though that might be someone's intention, we have to be very careful with our language. Um, so I took that training and then I've also taken courses in intuitive eating, mm-hmm. which is more so like towards diet but it taught me a lot about diet culture and um I think that that helped me prepare for the program with Bama as well mm-hmm. yeah we've um I interviewed Diane here on the podcast too and she's a big uh, Bama supporter and has a lot of awesome knowledge um but I definitely think what you were saying about language is so important um and that sometimes people are really well intended and then they don't realize that maybe it's calling, um, saying something like, oh, you look really good. Have you lost weight? And yes, that's like as a compliment, but we really don't know the backstory. So such a, such an important point, point, especially when it comes to the world of fitness. Um, so I was just wondering too, as a part of that program, when teaching, um, past eating disorder, um, clients, what did you find most rewarding? rewarding to be a part of that experience for you? Um, Well, most of the people in that program had never done yoga before. And at the beginning of the program, like I think they did, it was like an anonymous survey at the Mm -hmm. end of each class to kind of gauge where people were at and how they were feeling after each session. And I would even ask them like, oh, if you have any 
feedback for me or just want to like talk about your experience, we can chat about it. And at the beginning, pretty well, everyone hated it. <laughs> they said, uh, which is not honestly, like I'm not used to hearing that from people. So mm. they would say, oh, I hated it. I felt so uncomfortable in my body and I, I didn't know what I was doing and it was so hard. And I was like, okay, okay. And like, just trying to take it, um, take it, you know, and, and then <laughs> over the weeks it just evolved and people were saying, oh, this is like all I would look forward to in the week now. And, um, mm. and I feel so calm and peaceful after. So just that and like seeing how people evolved and, and they were really like, they stuck with it, even though at the beginning was really hard for them. Sorry, my dog's coming. No worries. <laughs> but yeah, they stuck with it. And, and in the end, like they all really loved it. So that was, that was like the best part for me, really. Mm, that's so nice to see people change and evolve and you be a part of that as well. Um, so I think that just points to the fact, to the fact of how movement can be very healing, whether that's yoga or whether it's a different type of movement. Um, but why do you think that is like, why do you think movement is so healing or important to our mental health in general? Mm, I think there's so many layers to that. Like part of it is, um, is biological and chemical. So just moving our body and exercising will release like dopamine and serotonin. And that helps people if they're having issues with anxiety or depression. So I think that's kind of one layer of it. Mm -hmm. Also just um, carving that time out of your day for a type of movement that feels good for you and that you actually have fun doing um, just kind of lets yourself know that like, you are a priority and you're important. So I think that's another level of it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think there's so many layers, but really it's just like prioritizing yourself and um, and doing things that make you feel good and, and then you're going to feel happy at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. Um, when I devote some energy to me and like fill my cup up, um, it mm -hmm. has like so much more reward to my mental health and when I just keep giving, giving, giving. So I definitely think there's something to that for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so I maybe we, like, that's the movement part of it, but we all have heard a lot more about, you know, how yoga can be very meditative as well. Um, so those moments of quiet really do a lot for our mental health and overall well-being as well. So for those who don't know, maybe you can just explain a little bit more about meditation and, and what some of the benefits could be. Mm -hmm. I think that people who don't meditate or maybe have tried before and, and, just kind of given up. They think that meditating is just sitting somewhere and having no thoughts come through your head. Like you're just totally at mm -hmm. peace and, and present, but really that's not how it is for most people. Um, usually meditation is sitting there and just being present with whatever comes up. So yeah, thoughts are going to come in. That's what the mind is designed to do. The mind is designed to think. And as you build your meditation practice, you can just become more aware of your thoughts and your thought patterns. Cause I think during the day, so many of us have like this negative self-talk happening in our mind and we don't even take time to sit down and, and notice it. And once you take that time to notice it and you realize like how you're talking to yourself or what your reoccurring thought, thought patterns are, 
then you can kind of dive deeper and dismantle that and move into a new direction. And over time, those thoughts in your head while you meditate, they are going to come up less frequently. And there's like kind of spaces in between. And that's when you feel like really peaceful and serene. But that comes over time, like anything else you have to practice. And that isn't really necessarily the end goal. Like no one I know meditates because they think they're going to be enlightened one day. (laughs) They Mm -hmm. meditate because it helps them. Um, If they meditate in the morning throughout the day, they feel more calm. They feel more grounded, more peaceful, more aware of their thoughts. Um, So I think that's how how it can help people. Mm -hmm. No, I think you really broke that down nicely for someone who might not know anything about meditation because I know when I didn't meditate, um, I felt the like exactly what you said, like, oh man, like I'm going to have all these thoughts running through and I'm doing it wrong. But I think it's mm-hmm. the more you do it, you the more you kind of, it kind of is almost a little bit of that magic piece where it starts extending to your daily life and you're like, oh my goodness, I need to do more of this because there's something to that. Just getting quiet with yourself and um, and allowing yourself those thoughts to pass, but then coming back to you in, in those little gaps, like as you, as you put it. So, yeah. so beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, so is there other pieces, like... I, under, I know that you are quite um, active and practice meditation, but is there any other pieces to your own self-care routines that are really valuable to you and important? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'm very much a ritual person. So I have like certain rituals that I do every day and And that's part of my self-care practice. So like I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do before I like look at my phone or I go to sleep with my phone on airplane mode. So before I turn it back on, I, I go outside and I water my garden, like Mm. my plants, my vegetable plants and my flowers. And I try to do it like when it's nice out barefoot. And I just find that so grounding and, and just getting like that sun on you right when you wake up and connecting with the earth feels amazing. And then I drink my lemon water and I meditate, even if it's just for five minutes. And then I go for a walk with my dog. And those -hmm. are the practices that really keep me grounded and and keep me happy. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really, really small things too, right? It doesn't have to be long. um, But really, I think it's finding what works for you and making those non-negotiables. Like those are things you do every day because you know you're going to show up as your best self if you do them Mm -hmm. yeah I can totally relate to that um I think sometimes mental health if you're not if you're having maybe some of the low moments uh, everything can seem very overwhelming and I know for myself in the past when I was super overwhelmed in those low moments I would think like, how, do, how am I even going to attempt to get myself out of it? And for me, it was like a, um, almost like the fake it till you make it type situation where I would, you know, just maybe go for that walk, even though I didn't want to. <laughs> but those little things is what got me to a place where I just started integrating more of the little things um, that, that can be so helpful in the long run. For sure. And like you said, Sometimes you didn't want to go for that walk. Self-care isn't always doing things you want to do, but it's doing things you know that are going to be beneficial for yourself in the long run. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point because um, facing the demons is not fun, but it's part of the process, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, so because at BANA we talk a lot about body image and our own relationships with our body because um, in terms of eating disorders, when someone has a negative body image, it puts them at a larger risk for developing an eating disorder. So I'm just curious to know how your relationship with your own body has evolved and if meditation and yoga were a part of this um, and why you believe it, it is a constant evolution. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, like any woman and men as well, I've like had my struggles, of course. I started working in the fitness industry when I was 18 years old. Um, mm-hmm. I actually started off as a spin instructor. Mm-hmm. So back then it was like teaching spin. It's kind of like go as hard as you can, as fast as you can, and burn as many calories as you can. Mm-hmm. And when you work in the fitness industry, it kind of feels like you're always on display, if yeah. you know what I mean? Like people are kind of looking up to you and it feels like you're almost put on this pedestal and you have to meet everyone's expectations. Um, so there is a lot of pressure in that way, which that's why someone like Diane Bondi is like such a, such an influence and someone to look up to because she doesn't fit that typical stereotype of what someone might think as a yoga teacher. And she is an amazing teacher and so influential. So it kind of like seeing her and everything she can do takes a little bit of that pressure off, but Mm -hmm. definitely like I was teaching spin and then all the while I was practicing yoga. And then after I finished university, I went for my yoga training and, and it just changed my life. And I realized like, what I was doing before wasn't what my body needed. Mm -hmm. Um, It was too much. And um, I was kind of burning myself at both ends. And so I I moved more into just practicing yoga and doing my own workouts. Um, But even still, like, I still sometimes struggle and, and I've had my own, like, my own struggles with food, more Mm -hmm. so than body image. I just, I guess I put a lot of pressure on myself to eat a certain way. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's definitely getting better as I get older. And I've just, with yoga, like it's just accepting things as they are. So Mm -hmm. as far as your body image goes, it's not, okay, I'm going to be happy when I'm this size or when I lose this weight. It's no, you're happy now in this moment because you need to be present and accept things as they are. So it's just kind of a constant reminder and practicing gratitude for your body and, and even just realizing your body is so much more than how it looks like mm-hmm. biologically and physically, everything that it's capable of is something to be celebrated. And, and it's not, it's not just about appearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you brought up so many good points there. Um, one of which of how it is like a constant evolution, right? That I don't think we all ever reach a point where, you know, we're like completely all the time, 100% like skyrocketed self-esteem and body image because, and that's something we do try to teach our like youth that we speak to that we do education to at BANA is how like there's going to be up days and there's going to be down days it's just um, handling them and finding strategies to deal with them so I love I love that you brought that up Um, oh and you also brought up um, a very important point about 
diversity and inclusivity within the fitness community, within the, the yoga community. And I know that in preparation for our talk, you also noted this um, on like our intake form that we have our clients fill out. So why is diversity and inclusivity so important in, in yoga? I think it's important because yoga is a tool. It's a way of life. And I think that every person could benefit from it. Um, however, if people have an image of yoga of just being something that white, thin women practice, then they're not going to feel comfortable to come to a class or start their own practice. Mm-hmm. But yoga is really for every person, every body. And even just in the last five years that I've been teaching, I've really seen a lot more people coming out than at the beginning, a lot more different types of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in my classes, I've had people that are eight years old and people that are 78 years old. I've had thin people, bigger body people, and sometimes even people with a physical disability. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and again, like it's so important that I want this tool to get out there for everybody because it honestly seems like mental health issues, unfortunately, are impacting pretty well every single person now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just want them to have this tool to be able to help themselves when they find themselves in those in those situations where their mental health might be kind of at risk or or issues are coming up in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a tool. And and I know that at Vanna, we talk a lot about like, to our clients of we all have a toolkit right? And it'd be a shame for one to not have access to that tool. So I love that that's important to you. And that's what you're promoting on social media. um, And showing that like anyone from any size to any color can um, be a part of something and reap the benefits. So I love that. That's one of your passions too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So speaking of the online world, um, on social media, what, who are some of maybe your, um, the people that you follow or choose to follow, what do they represent? Mm. On social media, um, I follow like yoga girl, Diane Bondi, the birds papaya. I also love Jane Fonda. I'm like a huge fan. Um, I love her too. Yeah. I like strong women that aren't afraid to like speak their truth be vulnerable and actually like stand up and and do things you know um so those are kind of my role models online um Mm -hmm. luckily I've been able to meet Diane Bonnie in person um since she's from this area but yeah those are the people that I look up to and I think I think social media it, it is good and bad, but if you fill your social media with people who inspire you and people who are doing great things, then I think it can be a really positive influence. Yeah, I agree. And I like with Banna, I unfortunately am, am pointing out a lot of the negatives when I am educating, but um we also try to say, you know, if if you create that space and follow more inspiring people or people who look like you or just people of diverse bodies that it can become really inspiring and actually um over the course of the quarantine I joined TikTok <laughs> and it, yeah so for those I haven't got yet I'm not a very techy person I was actually like late to the game even for Instagram so yeah. I haven't gotten to talk yet but I, I see this stuff sometimes on Instagram <laughs> yeah I know you know what I was like well if the kids are using it like let me see what what it's all about and um 
so initially when I first started using it, I was seeing like all kinds of content across the gamut. And then because, you know, the algorithm works where you like more of the like the things that resonate with you and then it kind of catches on and it starts showing that stuff so I honestly now find like if I am kind of like down a little bit I put it on because a lot of the things I follow now are really uplifting and um like inspiring to me so I'm like hey this is this is a actually working in my favor like I'm using social media for good so (laughs) it's kind of nice to see that yeah, you're definitely the creator of your own world, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. It's really cool. Awesome, yeah. Um, so you also made a point um, when preparing and filling out our intake form of talking about gratitude. And um, I think this is really important and can go a long way. So why is reflecting on what you're grateful for necessary for you? Mm-hmm. Well, I think I'm, I believe that we're all vibrational beings and, and certain emotions hold um, certain vibrations and gratitude is one of the highest vibrations that somebody can hold. So taking time to reflect on what you're grateful for every day will raise your vibration um, energetically, but also it puts things into perspective. Like like finding those little things that that you that you can remember or you can be thankful for and just like build that gratitude in your heart um, can really change how your day goes or or how you're going to interact with people. Um, so that's important for me. Um, yeah, mm. I think gratitude is a really great practice to have. And some people journal. I'm not much of like a journaling person, but I know some people like to journal what they're grateful for. I usually just kind of bring it to mind at the beginning of my meditation or at the end of my yoga practice. I'll kind of like in Shavasana try to send that energy that I've like built up in my practice to somebody I'm grateful for or something that I'm grateful for. So that's kind of what I do. But there's lots of ways to show your gratitude and to practice gratitude. Okay, yeah, I really like what you said about uh, the or gratitude in general having an energy because um, I think like that even gains perspective to like maybe when you're in a low mood or when you're focusing on all the negative and how much of an effect that can have on your energy as well. So like um, focusing on what you're grateful for or focusing on strengths or um, things that make you happy, it really does shed light on to how, 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 like you said, like how you're creating your reality, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've all, and my, myself included, I have days where I feel very low, like very low vibration. Yeah. Um, we all, but, but I think we've all met those people that are like so happy. So just like, um, excited to see you and you can feel that coming off them. Like you can feel, I think if you, if you try to bring someone to mind, like it's pretty easy to like, Oh yeah, this person is like always vibing so high. You can feel their energy. And then you can probably bring someone to mind. That's usually in the opposite state as well. So I really believe that gratitude is like what kind of pulls you up higher and like brings you to that, that higher state. Um, so that's, that's what I try to practice every day. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, okay. Well, speaking of energy, there's, you also practice Reiki and, um, Reiki, I think it's like 
caught on more here in the Western world as another healing tool, maybe to add to someone's toolbox. And um, for those of you who, or for those of the people who are listening who might not be familiar with what it is, can you explain um, what Reiki is? Sure. So Reiki is energy healing. Like I said before, we're all energetic beings. Um, So when I give Reiki to someone, it's not me healing them um, in any way, but it's me putting this person into a state of relaxation where they can start to heal themselves, whether that's physically, mentally, or emotionally. So anytime someone is like very stressed or anxious, then they're in their sympathetic nervous system, which is like that fight or flight, high cortisol. And to be honest, most of us are operating in that way every day because we're so rushed going from here to there um, and just so busy in our everyday lives. So this will put you into your parasympathetic nervous system, which is more your rest and digest. And that's when your body can heal and repair, just like when you're sleeping. Some people actually fall asleep in Reiki, which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um And it works with the chakra system in the body. So these are like energy centers that run through your body. And ideally, you want them all to be open. And that means like your energy is flowing through you and you're kind of moving with the flow of life and not coming up to a lot of resistance. Uh, So yeah, during during a session, usually the client is laying down and I just place my hands on them in certain areas if they're okay with me placing my hands on them. And it just puts them into this state of relaxation and their energies just start to move through them and they start to heal with whatever they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've experienced Reiki before and I think I have fallen asleep. <laughs> but every time, <laughs> yeah, every time afterwards, I definitely feel like a reset button was pushed. Um, yeah. like, like you said, like things are able just to flow through me a little bit easier. Um, and there's, there's something to that. I think, um, realigning like your energy and giving you just like that reset. So, um, I think maybe if like someone listening hasn't tried this out and they're looking for something new to add to their repertoire of like strategies for stress release, this is something definitely to consider. Um, Carly, are you, are you, do you practice that out of chill or where do you usually give your treatments? I practice at two locations. So if you're more on like the South side or West side of Windsor, I practice at chill. And then if you live on the East end of town, I'm at gem in Tecumseh off Manning road. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like another tool. And I want to add to, there are so many people who never get touched, like, maybe who live on their own or don't have family or friends, like they never get hugs. They never get like that physical contact and touching someone is so healing. Just think like when you're, when you're upset and someone gives you that hug and it's Mm -hmm. like, you feel their energy of like love and, and warmth and kindness. So I think that's another part of it is just like giving that, that touch and that energy to someone and giving them like your full attention and like just giving them everything you can. So Mm -hmm. that's another part of it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. A lot of people, um, I feel like like it's something that's so simple, but even like a hand on someone's shoulder when they're confiding in you, like that sense of comfort, it really does go a long way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so we both kind of talked about how we've been through our own ups and downs, um, and that's a normal part of life. So I was going to next ask you how you would describe failure 
and how this has been more of maybe a learning opportunity? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess to me, failure is not accomplishing something you set out to do, but it's still an opportunity to learn and grow, probably even more so than if you accomplish that thing you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um I've learned from failure that life just keeps going. So even if you don't get that job you wanted or you go through that breakup, life does keep going. And oftentimes when we fail and and if we keep moving forward and just accepting that, then there's actually something even better coming that we didn't even imagine before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right that you we get a lot more from those times where it's not so easy and that like we do maybe not achieve what we set out to because there's a lesson. There's always a lesson. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. So I wanted to ask a few fun questions. <laughs> so um, not that those weren't fun, but some sillier questions. So um, one being, do you have a motto for life or a favorite quote? Hmm. I I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know if I have like a favorite quote per se, but my motto, I guess, is more so just like I am responsible for my own happiness because mm-hmm. oftentimes if I like get upset about something or sad, I feel like it's so easy to put the blame on someone else and be like, I'm upset because this person did that or because this mm-hmm. happened. But really, I'm upset because I'm choosing to look at the negative, you know? Um, So Mm -hmm. I I just try to remind myself I'm responsible for my own happiness. And and I tell myself to make time every day for what makes you happy, and then you'll be happy every day. So Mm -hmm. I guess those are the two things that I kind of just try to tell myself. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that. It's um, actually the responsibility thing. I feel like that's something I only maybe you have learned or it was always in the back of my mind but maybe I didn't want to accept that <laughs> um but yeah I feel like in in the last year or so I have like really stepped into that and I will say that that has it gives you a lot of power too right like yeah. if if I'm in control then I can really create what I want so um yeah I love that I love that that's one of your positive quotes yeah and that means too when people maybe do certain things to you or things don't go your own way, they don't, they don't have the power, like you said, to take the happiness away from you. You can still have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. And then at Bano, we always call, um, we use neutral language when it comes to food, as you know. So we'll say, oh, those are sometimes foods for the foods that we eat more regularly that give us lots of energy and nutrition. And then we say there's fun foods that are really great for our mental health and give us a lot of pleasure. Um, So my question is, what might be your favorite sometimes food? And then what is your favorite fun food? Mm, Sometimes food. Hmm. Oh, sorry. I love everyday foods and sometimes foods. So yeah. Everyday foods, I love smoothies. Those mm. are like my favorite because I just like putting, like I go in my garden and I grab lettuce and spinach and all the stuff growing and I put it in my smoothie and I just, I feel like it's so high vibrational. Um, sometimes food or, did you guys used to call it fun foods? Yeah, sometimes okay. food or a fun food or another okay. food. 
Okay, sometimes food is for sure pizza. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, I'm plant-based, but I'm not super strict. And so sometimes, like, sometimes food, sometimes if there's pizza, I have pizza because I love it. (laughs) Is that, like, um, a Windsor pizza? (laughs) Like... (laughs) I love our mandos. Yeah. 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 There's something to that Windsor pizza. I will say, like, I lived away, and then I, I came back. I was like, yep, still the best. <laughs> I, I lived in Waterloo and Peterborough. They were like, oh, let's get Domino's. And it's all, like, those chains, and it's not it's not the same. No, not the same. I yeah. totally agree. Um, okay, so because the name of the Banna podcast is Happy, Healthy, and Hopeful – I always like to finish off by asking the guest what they are hopeful for going forward in 2020. And that can be up to your interpretation. So it could be related to for like the world or it could be a personal um, wish as well. So what are you hopeful for? Hmm. Well, I just feel this year the world seems so divided over everything that's going on in politics and the coronavirus. So I'm hopeful that communities can just come together and be less divided and Mm -hmm. listen to one another and learn from one another and and adapt and and love and move forward that's what I'm hoping for yeah yeah that was that's a great point I love that um okay so thank you so much for um sharing your knowledge and sharing um, your your personal truth and experience in the yoga world and in the holistic healing world. So if people wanted to find more about you, is there somewhere online that they could seek you out? Yeah, they can um, follow me on Instagram at Yogini Shanti. Um, I usually post like my yoga in the parks and like upcoming events and stuff on there. I also have a Facebook page yoga with Carly so you can find me on there um or my email address maybe you can put the email Mm -hmm. in the show notes or something Mm -hmm. um but yeah so if you want to contact me for reflexology or Reiki or I do private yoga sessions as well um anything like that you can reach out to me for sure awesome yeah I will definitely note those in the show description so that you can find Carly And if you're listening and you're wanting to learn more about eating disorder services within the Windsor-Essex community, please feel free to visit our website, www.banna.ca. Thank you once again, Carly, for being a guest. We are so appreciative of you and the work that you do and all of the positive energy you put into this world. So thanks again. Thank you, Steph. Have a great day. Yeah, you too.